Here's an interesting question for you. Who knows better, you or your children? Now, seriously, think about it for more than a second. Who knows better? Is it you? Maybe that's your kids? And if your answer is something like, well, of course it's me. I'm the older one in the relationship. I'm the parent. I have more experience. Well, yeah, you're right on the experience part. But does that mean you know better? Maybe all that experience is actually making you know less? Is your mind wrinkled yet? Okay, let's cue the intro and start to untie this weird knot together. Welcome to the Apparently Parent Podcast. My name is Iran Katz, and I'm a clinical psychologist, a parenting counselor, and also a father. In this show, we combine the art of parenting with the science of psychology. So, if you want to understand your children and yourself better, lead your family into calmer waters, and reach the end of the day with a smile on your face, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Iran Katz. All right, you guys, welcome to the 28th episode of the Apparently Parent Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with me today, another beautiful Thursday, and we're going to talk today about this weird question, who knows better, you or your kids? Now, I'm sure that you wonder why I'm asking that question, because yeah, you are the parent, you're the older one, you have more experience in the world, you know a lot more than they are, so why should we even ask who knows better, you or them, and better in what? Maybe they know better about, you know, being a kindergarten child, but you know better about everything else. But, you know, everything is contextual, and this is how we have to look at at things. And in this episode, I want to help you kind of learn how to disengage from some things that may make you think you know better than your children, but actually maybe you know less. And by thinking that you know better than them, you may kind of, you know, hurt some part of your relationship with them. So let's look at that. And and I like to start with stories. So let's start with a story. And it's a personal one. So, you know, when I was a child, we used to have a piano in the house. And it was a brown, old standing piano, nothing really fancy. And as a little kid, I, I liked to play... I didn't know how to play the piano, but I liked to act as if I know how to do that, and I acted like I was writing songs on the piano, etc. And when I grew older and I started going to elementary school, I started taking piano lessons. And that lasted for a couple of years, and I was quite okay, nothing to write home about, no Arthur Rubinstein, but, you know, that was that... And as I was reaching, you know, the threshold of this magnificent period of life that's known as puberty, I started to develop my own musical taste. And, you know, we're talking about the early 90s. So that taste was heavily based on on rock and kind of metal rock and Guns N' Roses and stuff like that. So naturally, I I wanted to stop playing the, the piano because that was all about classical music, some blues, but that's that. And I wanted to start rock out on the electric guitar like all the cool kids do. And we didn't have one. (laughs) We didn't have a guitar at home. So I asked my parents to quit the piano lessons, get a guitar, and go to guitar lessons. Now, we're talking about something that happened, I think, 28 years ago, something like that. 
And I still remember vividly the conversation that I had with my parents in the little room where the piano stood. I, I sat on next to the piano and they sat in front of me and they were trying passionately to convince me to carry on with the piano lessons. It's the basis of all music edu- education, knowing how to play the piano, they said. I think one of them even claimed that Axel Rose, you know, the lead singer of Guns N' Roses, was a pianist. And that was my favorite band at the time. So they tried to convince me through that, which is kind of smart on their part, but it didn't work. Now, in, in my memory, this conversation is stored in, you know, the not-so-pleasant box. It, it was nothing, you know, too harsh. It was definitely not, not, not a traumatic event. But it was in the... It has the label of not a pleasant conversation for me. And I, I strictly remember this burdening sense that I must logically justify my wish to play the guitar for them. And, you know, that was just a whim. I, I was just 11 years old. I didn't have very robust logical um, excuses or explanation for that. It's just what I thought was cooler. <laughs> and I, I, I wanted to be cool because, you know, I was an 11 year, years old boy. And and think when you think about this story, I want you to think about the question that I started with. So who knew better, me or my parents? Now, it's a given fact that I am no pianist. I actually stopped playing the piano a couple of months later and I did move to the guitar. Now, I'm not a pianist and I don't really remember how to play the guitar anywho. So, you know, nothing musical came out of that. So who knew better? Was it me? Was it them? Now, turn this back to you and your children. Think of a similar experience when you and your child had opposing opinions. And I'm not talking about a clear-cut red flag situation, such as, I don't know, drinking bleach, or running into traffic, or something like that, touching the stove. Of course not. I'm talking about examples like I gave you from my own history. And you can find this with different age groups. So that that story worked for me uh, as an 11 years old, but maybe you have children who are four or five, so you can find different kinds of examples, okay? So maybe you should just pause this for, for a couple of seconds and think of something, okay? So do that. Have you done that? Okay, so let's move on. So now as you hold this example in your mind, I want you to think about the why, okay? Why did you think your child should or shouldn't do the thing that was on the table? What were your reasons as the parents? How did you try to persuade your child not to do or to do something? And I want you to think about what has made this so important to you. Okay, again, now think about that. Okay, if you need to pause this, I, I, you can listen to this as many times as you want. It will help you a lot more if you will actually do the work, okay? So it's nothing too too serious. You just have to think about some stuff, okay? So pause this for a second and try to think about the why. Okay, now that you have that in mind, let's talk about the Pandora punching bag, okay? What the hell is the Pandora punching bag? You know you know the story about the Pandora's box, how Pandora was this girl, and uh, we're talking about the Greek mythology. And I don't remember if she was given 
the box or she found it. But anyway, that box, it held all the demons in the world, all the bad stuff, all the depression and anxiety and, and violence and, and lies. Everything was, you know, cooped up in that box. And she was told not to open the box. But curiosity, uh, as, as it happens with every human, <laughs> got the better of her. And she opened the box. And immediately all the demons flew out and filled the world. So, and, and, and the story goes that since then we have all this bad stuff in the world. Okay? Depression, anxiety, violence, stress, um, mischief, you name it. What people, by the way, tend to re- uh, forget is underneath all those stuff, there was one thing that also came out of the box. And that was hope. So by releasing all this bad stuff, she also released hope into this world. Anyway, that was a short segue into the Greek mythology. What? I, so I, I just wanted to, you to have that in mind when I when you think about what we're going to talk now, which is what I call the Pandora punching bag, not the Pandora's box. So you know when when we bring life, new life into this world for the first time. So when you become a parent for the first time you are born as well as parents. Okay, you were regular people before, and now you were born as a parent. I, I do believe that even if it's not your firstborn, okay, you do so every time around, every time you have another child. So you are born again as a parent to two kids, and then parents to three kids, etc., etc., how many kids you have. Now, in the past, it was thought that kids are born as blank slates, and they can absorb anything and learn everything. And we know now that it's not true. They are affected by their own uh, biology, genes, environment, whatever, okay? But so do you as a parent. You do not become a parent as a blank slate, okay? You carry with you a huge bag full of hopes and wishes. And we carry that bag wherever we meet our children. And you know, this bag holds everything. And on top of those hopes and wishes, just like in Pandora's box, there's a trove of demons. And they are your worries, your fears, every notion of how kids should react and should behave. Okay, in the last episode, episode 20, no, it was episode 26, two episodes ago, I talked about how we think about appropriate behavior and we should really as parents figure out how how what, what the appropriate behavior should be and for us so these notions of appropriate behavior and how society demands uh, our children to behave and how kids should behave etc those are all stuff that we have in our own bags that we carry with us as we became parents and those uh, those concepts were absorbed in our minds throughout the years, ever since we were born, not as parents, as human beings, from our own um, experiences as children, seeing our, how our parents uh, acted with us or, or, or how other adults acted with their children and etc. Okay, so we, we learn from that as well. And you know, you imagine yourself having this huge bag on your shoulders and all those demons are rumbling in the sack and it gets heavy and burdensome. And, and you know, we, we, must, we, we have to get rid of some weight. So how do we do that? 
we open the bag and we throw some demons on our children. So they will share the load, or at least some of the load. And as we do that, we risk hurting the, uh, the authentic connection we have with our children. The attachment theory teaches us that children will do everything to maintain the connection between themselves and their parents, even if that means they have to give up on some of their true selves. And if they can give up on that part of themselves, they will stand their ground and they will fight on what's important for them, even at the risk of hurting that connection with their parents. So if your kids are getting the message that they are expected to be X, even though their hearts pull strongly towards Y, they have kind of two options. Okay, so they either give up on Y or they go into a war. And you know, each of these results end with something wrong in the relationship, something that is hurtful. Now, this, this is a process that I'm describing now in my words, but it was beautifully described by one influential um, psychoanalyst and pa- pediatrician, uh, long diseased. Uh, his name was Donald uh, Winnicott. He was British and he wrote many essays about uh, the relationship between uh, children and their parents and the way children experience demands and projections uh, from their parents as objects that hurt the natural flow of their selves and prevents the kid from just being, okay, as, as opposed to doing. There's this, this, this distinction in the psychological world between doing and being, doing that you're acting and being, it's like the way you are, you are or you're trying to be just in the world. And in this situation that I'm describing for you, the child can only um, cover his or her own true self, true wishes, true needs with masks, okay, false parts in order to maintain the connection with the parent. Now, this is kind of an extreme situation that I'm kind of describing in order to to give an example of how things may work inside the minds of your child. When my parents tried to convince me not to give up on piano lessons, I, I eventually finished with the piano lessons and I moved to the guitar lessons. And it doesn't matter that it, it didn't, you know, it, it didn't become fruitful in the end and I was no musician in the end. So they eventually gave up. They didn't hold their ground too strongly. But but what would have happened if they did? I would have resulted into one of two options. One option would be to really stick my ground and fight for my wish to play the guitar, which is not my type of personality to do so. Okay? So I would probably go on the second route and give up on my guitar wishes and stay with the piano wishes. And I could have been an awesome pianist maybe, but it wouldn't have been my real wishes. So it would be something false, which with time kind of deteriorates the soul, if you will. It kind of puts some points of rust in the metal of your soul. And this is how sometimes me as a psychologist nowadays, I sometimes see people in their adult lives after many years of living these kinds of false parts of their lives, 
some of which are born from this situation with their parents, they have to re- rework and rediscover their own true wishes and give themselves the permission to be this type of people, to relieve these um, true parts of themselves. And you can only imagine or, or wish to change them, you know, the past, but you can't. What would have happened if their parents would maybe say to themselves, you know, 20, 30 years ago, maybe we shouldn't stress that too much. Maybe, maybe, maybe our child does know what's better for him. And, you know, it does remind me of the previous episode, episode 27, where, where we talked about how securely attached children may misbehave at home. And there was a question popping up during that conversation, which was, should I just give up on what I believe as a parent? And the answer is a resonating no. You can't give up on everything you, you believe as a parent. You can't give up on your values. But and, and, and of course, you obviously can't let your kids do whatever they want. If you do so, this is the hallmark of being a permissive parent and and. Episode 5, I think, is where we talked about uh, parenting styles and, and what's really wrong with the permissive parenting type. And we already know that it can put your child on a bad um, trajectory for, the, for, for his life or her life. On the other hand, we can't enforce them to do our bidding all the time. That would be the authoritarian parent, which also <laughs> puts your child on a, on a bad trajectory. The answer always lies in the middle. So the solution of what I'm talking about lies in taking a brave and an honest look at your own Pandora's punching bag or Pandora's box that you carry. Look into it and recognize your own demons. This will enable you to realize if whatever boundary you are trying to put in front of your child is coming from a genuine need to protect your child from something, from harm, or maybe this is coming from something that you carry in your own souls that you know, maybe you can relinquish. And as you do so, as you look at your own bag of wishes, past experiences, um, thoughts and beliefs, try to imagine the child that you used to be. The child that dreamed and wanted things and had all these fantasies of how he or she wants to live their lives. And again, take the time. If you're listening to this, you know, maybe you're on your commute, you're driving, you're you're doing an exercise right now. That's awesome. But go back to this and listen to this again when you have some quiet time. I know your parents and you don't have a lot of quiet time, but I know you will find it. Listen to it when you have some quiet time and I want you to close your eyes and really try to visualize those lines that connect your old experiences to your present-day beliefs. Really try to visualize the child that you have been wishing and wanting and, 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 and dreaming and what life would look like if you could have achieved all those things that maybe your parents taught you that you can't do. And, and maybe you find other beliefs about you know how kids should behave and what's right and what... Every, everything that starts with a should, okay? Try to really look at that and try to really examine that and, and, and really honestly, non-judgmentally see if that's really correct. So yeah, children shouldn't run into traffic, but should you know 
children really uh, learn how to play an instrument, for example? Should boys really never wear dresses? Okay, some examples that just came to my mind, okay? And, and try to imagine yourself. It helps, at least it helps for me, but for many other people that I know, it helps to really visualize it. Visualize your beliefs like whatever works for you, like clouds in the sky with the words written on them uh, or whatever. And, and try to imagine yourself cutting the cords that are connecting those beliefs, those demons, those rocks, um, and, and, and lodging themselves in your Pandora's bag, cutting the cords and letting them just get away and fly in the air and feel, try to feel how your bag gets lighter. And nothing is magical about this. This is an inner a neuro- neurological brain work that you're doing. Nothing happens in an instant. Never. This is something that you can visualize time and time again, but with time you're reconnecting all parts of your brain together and you're uh, recreating those pathways that will make you feel that these connections are stronger with time and that you can really relinquish those old beliefs. So try to do that. Try to do that and, you know, you're really welcome to let me know how, how it worked for you. Did it work for you? maybe didn't, how it felt for you. You can always reach out to me on my Instagram, which is at apparentlyparent, or in my Facebook group, which you can find at uh, apparentlyparent.com forward slash Facebook. And before I I finish, I just just want to um, end with this. At the end of the day, my parents gave up on the battle of the piano, as I've told you. I did finish with the piano lessons. We got a guitar. I went for guitar lessons and I think it was about two years later that I abandoned them as well. So, you know, maybe that's a lesson to be learned here about the passions of childhood and how strongly we have to fight them or hold them, both as parents (laughs) and as children. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Apparently Parent Podcast. I really hope it was um, helpful for you, as it was for me. Um, And I invite you to join me uh, for further discussions of how we as parents can uh, make better connections to our children and raise confident and secure children. And we can do so in my Facebook group, which is called Navigating Parenting, Raising Secure and Confident Children. You can find... um, the link to that in apparentlyparent.com forward slash Facebook. And the show notes for this episode with all the resources that I mentioned are on apparentlyparent.com forward slash 28. And that's it for today. Please subscribe to this show on wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts on so you will get um, the so you'll get every episode straight to your phone every Thursday when they come out. And I will see you again on the 29th episode next week. Bye-bye.